This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Oh, that's a loaded question there, Steve. Um, I'm doing a whole lot better than I was 24 hours ago. I'll, I'll, I'll say that much, uh, but I'm coming off of quite a long weekend. I'm sure we'll break it down a little bit here, but let me just say this. Today was an all-time, like, get your life back in order type day, right? Like, I had this lingering to-do list that I've had forever and I was just knocking stuff off I was you know change the windshield wipers on my car type of stuff today so it was an all-time like you got to be an adult and get your life together and that's what I did so I'm feeling better and as always at the house of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella Trent how you doing bud gentlemen I am good but Michaelson based on what I saw this weekend I'm not sure you can get your life together in just one short day I think you need a few weeks here at least to maybe a couple months for some self-reflection to get you know your business back in order to be a real human being again uh, but boys I'm good I had a I had a big race this weekend I had a I was out there it felt good it felt a, good to push the body that hard again I was thinking like no matter if you're faster or slower you know than you used to be kind of race day still feels the same right like that that push that you go through and and that mental hurt that you're in is kind of the same so um despite you know times maybe not being you know prime times uh it was nice to kind of revisit that place on the the racing calendar and, and get myself out for a nice uh crisp fall uh team race challenge so i'm doing good boys i agree with you trent i think the uh, like the butterflies in your stomach and then putting yourself through the pain of a race, that's like necessary, especially like when you get, when your body gets used to it over like a decade of racing. And, you know, I think I, I, I'm, I'm looking, well, we're going to get into that in a second, but I'm looking forward to kind of getting in that mindset of racing because I do agree. Putting your body through that once every, you know, a couple times a year is important. Good for the so, soul. It's definitely yeah. good for the soul. Well, I'm glad you guys are doing well today or as well as you could be doing today because I am not doing so well. So we just had the announcement for the week three distance and it happened. Like people are going to say that we rigged this. Like it, 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 it couldn't have happened any more perfectly. Right. We got, we got the 13.1. We got the half marathon distance distance randomly chosen on the, on the raffle wheel in week three. Um, and I think, I think the, for the haters out there, cause I know there's going to, there's a couple people that are going to chirp us say like this, this was rigged. I'm telling you right now, the fact that I have to race 13.1 miles this week is all the proof in the world that this is not rigged. I mean, it is, it, it is happening. I mean, but this is like, you couldn't have scripted it any better. So obviously it is not rigged. Right. And I think we, I would hope people would know that the integrity here is a lot higher than that. However, if I was an outsider and I got hit with a 13.1, boy, would I be making a stink. And I would be pointing out all kinds of stuff because the distances leading up to it too, right? The four and the six, it left so much to question where it's like, 
you have no when when the six came up last week it was like do you put your long distance guy your short distance guy we are directly in the middle it was a brutal situation for these people so you might have your one mile type guy who's getting hit with the 13.1 so people the, do yeah and so that that makes it hilariously perfect the other thing there's so many things to break down here but the fact that you accidentally started the wheel before yep. bringing it to camera. Yep. I mean, holy smokes, if I was the guy who got hit, I would be demanding a so, recount. I would be, but it just makes it, it adds to the storyline. It's hilarious. So once the thing starts spinning, you can't stop it, right? Like it's gotta, it's gotta go through the motions. And like, cause so I had my cursor like on the center of the wheel. And when you hit the center of the wheel, it starts, right? And so I went and put my finger on it and it tapped the center of the wheel and started spinning. And I freaked out for a second and I had to choose do I let it spin out and we do we redo it or do I just put it right up to the camera and let it spin out? And I was like, well, we have to, you know, we have to honor the, the integrity of this first spin. We can't leave any shadow of doubt. We got to, so I, so I hit it. We weren't able to see the start of the spin on camera. I know, but I accidentally started, it. I put it up there and I like, you can go back and watch the video. I screeched. I like, I squealed when that 13 came, 13.1 came up. I, I, like, I screeched like a little girl. Like, I couldn't believe it was happening. Like, and, and, and I said it on the live stream. Like, I passed off each one of these weeks. I was like, yeah, Mike, why don't you do it? Yeah, trying to do it. And sure enough, sure enough, it had to happen. The 13.1 comes up on week three. People are going to be looking at this tape. Like, this is a Pruder film. Just trying <laughs> yeah, to break yeah. down exactly what happened. Where, But, I mean, we, we ask our runners. We ask the participants in, this, in the races that we've done, you know, for complete honesty, for high integrity. And we know we're getting it because the Peak Too Early community is a high-class group of individuals. And we are living up to them. I think you did the right thing, Steve. I think if you, you didn't use that first spin, it would have been, you know – too sketchy you you were just asking for the trust to know that that was a mistake there uh but the whole strategy thing is just so perfect like it couldn't get any better i don't know like i i haven't talked to any team um that kind of saved the long person for i guess there's a, a team i can think of that saved the long person to the end there uh, but what a decision people had to make uh and then i just i just want to hear about some 800 meter runners going out there and running 13.1 this is just great and how about the battle at the top of the leaderboard? We have, I mean, you want to talk, like, you want to talk about, like, not being able to script this any better? Like, we have, you know, halfway through the competition, we have our, our first and our second place finishers are, are two-tenths, are two-tenths of a uh, point apart. And one of them is male and one of them is female. Like, this is just, I mean, this is just, uh, just it, couldn't, it couldn't have planned it any better than this. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I, uh, I don't know. I'm excited because like you said, we get that like 0.1, 0.2 points spread. And I, I'm excited to, to watch it throw down, especially after this past weekend, we, I got to watch some real live racing. I got to watch two of these teams go head to head on the track. And that just got my juices flowing. So now that we have this like stacked leaderboard, we're going into week three, right before we got the crazy half marathon getting thrown down. My juices have never been flowing more to see how this unfolds. This and everybody be- else is competing. Like legitimately, I, I got to break down the rest of the numbers, but legitimately everybody has a chance to beat the P2E squad. So everybody has a chance to win a prize. Uh, Mike talking about it, his juice is getting going. Might be a good time to just do a quick little detour to talk about um, 
you know, let's the, get it. Yeah, the let's, great let's, let's atmosphere that was For there sure. on Sunday. But I was with Mike, and, and we had a great weekend, you know, watching Masters, watching football, gambling, drinking, all that, that good stuff we like to do. And then we go out to watch a couple teams run the, uh, the team virtual race. And Mike is so fired up from watching these guys run. Mike is, you know, maybe not feeling his very, very best, maybe at a low point based on the things he had done to his body. And, um, but he just, just starts challenging people to races, right? So here I am lining up to run a 400-meter race <laughs> against Mike, like while the, the people are running the six-mile leg out there. Uh, well, Mike won. So I got to give it to him. I did. I did. But the, the slight, <laughs> slight caveat, we uh, – so I decided I was going to go out and pace – the uh, guys going out to run their, their six mile. And we had some pretty fast people that I was going to pace. Uh, and, you know, so there was some change being thrown around to see how long I'd be able to last pacing, pacing the team. And uh, I love that, by the way. I, I knew that the second I got on the line, it had nothing to do with how long I could last. I decided immediately, I'm not going to try and last this. I'm just going to see how fast I can get them to take this out. And now you can't be crazy, right? Like you can't like, go out and like take a huge lead because then they'll know what's going on. So what I would do is I would just slowly kind of sit behind them and then like kind of creep up and like start to pass them and do all these weird like speed changes. And I got them to go out crazy fast. They went out their first 400. Trent, do you remember what it was? I mean, I think it was a 72, 72. Yeah. They went out. So they went out and like, you know, whatever, whatever that is, 450 pace or something like that for, for six miles. So I, I got that going. And then immediately once I finished, I had like three or four minutes rest and I'm feel, feeling myself a little bit. So I challenged Trent to a 400, but he gave me, he was nice enough to give me a little handicap. We, we put a spread on it. So I, I had, I don't know what, maybe like a 15, 20 meter head start there, Trent. Yeah. Yeah. But you covered the spread. I gave you the I, spread and you covered, I covered it, the so. spread. And I, you know, I got it. I got it. I must say a lot of people who watched it are saying that maybe I need to move to the 400 i need to down shift down. down to the to the 400 yeah <laughs> oh man well i was gonna say i wish i was there but not seeing seems... seeing the kind of shape that you two are in right now i'm glad i wasn't there the carnage it, listen so this was my march madness week and once a year i get together with the with the crew and we we do march madness this year march madness didn't happen so we moved it to masters weekend and you know we did it the only way that that we know how and we had we had a blast um you know, Dustin Johnson ripped my heart out. Uh, Michigan ripped my heart out. Um, the Cleveland Browns ripped my heart out. But besides that, it was a it was a phenomenal weekend. You know who uh, you know who came up big though? I got to give a shout out to our guy, uh, Peanut Beyond Wheat, Boss Man Ran. Uh, I had a little me and Mike, or, or me and a couple other people. We had a little money on the the racers out there that were running, um, and Peanut Beyond Wheat came in big for me. And so I made a little bit of money on the P2E team virtual race challenge, which is, you know, a great place to be making your money. He didn't just cover the spread. He dominated the spread. Yeah, it was impressive. I think it was like covered it by like 60 seconds. It was, it was very well done. All right, boys, let's take this time to tell you a little bit about a company that we love, The Harrier. The Harrier, it's a lifestyle clothing brand for runners. We have something to wear other than just your technical running gear your gross old crappy race t-shirts. You have some high quality, fun, cool apparel design specifically for runners. You know, they, they take from pop culture. They take from the history of the sport. They take from every, just average everyday runners and they turn it into like cool, fun apparel. Go check out the dash harrier.com. Use promo code P2E 
to get a discount. Listen, the, this company is supporting this podcast. They're helping us keep doing what we love to do and keep putting stuff out there for free for all of you to listen. Go support the companies that support us. You won't regret it. Trent, this weekend, the boss man did not take off his Harrier sweatshirt. I don't think a single time. Maybe the runner's race, but besides that, he lived for four straight days in his Harrier sweatshirt, and he said it's the most comfortable sweatshirt he's ever owned. He looks great. I mean, right normally, there. That's, it, that's what we're talking about. Normally, when we plug the Harrier gear, right, we love the creative, you know, T-shirt designs. We love, you know, who's ever just putting together the, these, like, Photoshop pictures or something not Photoshop and putting on the T-shirt, and they're just hilarious. They're cool. They look good. But this was just like a classic, just said the Harrier on it, like super fly, but subtle. Uh, and just, a, you know, like a branded, you know, sweater. And it was, yeah, it was real nice. I mean, if you're not going to trust my fashion sense, you got to trust the boss. <laughs> you must be, yeah, you gotta <laughs> it, it's something we haven't talked about yet. Logo's awesome. It's got yeah. the dog on there. Great logo. Great logo. Anyways, go check out the Harrier. Use promo code P2E. One, one other thing on that. I, I saw it today on Instagram. We got our guys at the Harrier. We got our guys at Stoked Performance doing cross promotion with each other. I saw that they're sending each other their gear. The the Stoked guys are wearing Harrier gear. The the Harrier guys are eating Stoked peanut butter. I mean, worlds are colliding everywhere. It's unbelievable. Creating the community we always wanted. This is awesome. All right, Mike. Let's kick off the running news. So not a ton happening in the running world this week, but I did want to bring up, we had real life live cross country. We had meet of champions. It was a nice muddy, rainy, you know, mucky cross country weather type day getting to watch some real life racing, some real life cross country, what it's supposed to look like in November and it, just an unbelievable race. But I think the biggest headline coming out of it was you had, you know, a huge name in there, Paul Cholimo. I wouldn't say it's like a star-studded field, but you had Paul Cholimo stepping on a line. And Paul Cholimo lost. And he, you know, pretty much got buried in the last 1,000 meters of this race to Mason Furlick, who just ran the most gutsy last cave race I've seen in a very long time. He's a, he's a badass, and uh, so, yeah, I think that was my big takeaway from, from this race. I mean, first off, anytime a, a big-time pro or a big name steps on the line at a cross-country meet, I'm getting excited. So I know Chalimo lost, which, you know, is a disappointment to us all, uh, but seeing him out there is just great, and now's the time to do it, right? When the track world is, you know, upside down, we're kind of in that weird in-between season anyway. Um, loved seeing the guy step on the, the cross-country course. Mason Furlick, badass race. What the hell were you wearing? Did anyone else, yeah. you know, want to comment on that? The <laughs> Unbelievable orange over like the orange and yellow or yellow green camo. What was that? Yeah, like Mike said, super gutsy race. I mean, this guy is is, is everything we love about the sport. I mean, just go out there, you know, just gutsy finish. You know, not leaving it to a sit and kick race. Just gonna gonna finish hard in the you know less than optimal con, uh, conditions. So. Great, great race to our guy Mason. Maybe we'll try to get him on. We'll uh, we'll try to try to get an interview with sometime soon. But 
I, I, did we, did we say that we're an anti-Chalimo podcast until he races Lopez Lamont? Is, is that an official statement? I, I yeah, I think, I think, I, I think I'm going to say it until we get the showdown between Lopez Lamont, I think, and, and Paul Chalimo, I think I'm going to root against both of them um, every single race until that happens. So what I will say is if you're Paul Chalimo, yeah, you're, you're huge name. What is he? A silver medalist? Like, you step on the line, you got to beat that field. Like, you, you, you have to beat that field. You, you're the most talented guy on that line. And it's not By like far. he's, like, racing, like, a, a different distance. I know it's cross-country versus a track and stuff like that. But, but Mike, that, I mean, that's, that's the beautiful thing about cross-country, right? It's, like, it's, it's anything can happen out there. It's you, you, you pull the elements into it, and, like, it's, it's, like, in any given Sunday situation where if that's on a flat surface, is that, if that's on a track or if it's even, even on, like, an easy – road that's you're right paul chalimo takes that you know 99 out of 100 times but you throw the elements in it you throw the you throw the mud you throw the rain you throw the wind you throw the hills any given any given race day yeah and, and like kind of opposite where you're going this mike uh he says on the line he's trying to win right it's not like he you know throws in the towel half wing because he feels like it's not his day you know he hung in there it seemed like the best he actually could it, it actually wasn't his day but he still hung in there he held on for second place um, so I, yeah, I got no beef with how Chalima, obviously, you know, you expect the man to win, but I did respect it. It was, yeah, good old fashioned cross country day, not his day, but he hangs in there for a solid second. So the last story we got for this week, and I got to be completely honest with you guys, I'm a little worn out and tired of the whereabouts stuff. Um, so I don't know, I don't know how much energy or time I have to spend on this, but Elijah Manongo. Only, only as long as uh, the only as long as the song "Ride and Dirty" takes play. We made that rule like that's right, almost a year ago. Yeah, and we just break it time. But uh, so Elijah Manongo, he's 2017 1500 meter champion for the world of championships. Uh, he's getting a two year ban. He's gonna miss the Olympics. Um, I don't know. He just sound, he, it sounds like the guy's a cheater to me. I don't know. It, it, that's you know, <laughs> get, get him out of here. We we have no time for that in our sport. Um, we we should be I I maybe four year band, maybe two Olympics. I don't know. Get him out of here. He's a yeah. That's all I got. I uh, yeah, go ahead, Jerry. I flexed my stats and research department and I made him work overtime today. So I actually like brought up the actual AIU report about some of these whereabouts failures. So I'm going to give you guys the recap of the three that he's getting in trouble for. First one, connecting flight from like Germany back home is late. So he gets in like past midnight, basically realizes his luggage, which hasn't got there yet, has his house keys. So he just stays at the airport hotel rather than going to his house. Apparently it's past midnight. So he, he can't even update his whereabouts. You have to update it like the day before. Um, then he gets, you know, nailed for that. Next one, he was working, he's a police officer apparently, or works for the Kenya Police Service, hits traffic, and so he's late to get back for, he had an overnight shift, late to get back for his like 5 a.m. testing time. And then the third one, this is my favorite one, he has like, a, like an agent or delegate that's supposed to do this stuff for him. Um, his person put in that he'll be back home on December 21st. He didn't get back home until December 22nd, miscommunication. Uh, so basically my point is, yeah, all these are complete BS. He's definitely cheating. Yeah, and there's get no him out of here. Any of get him out of here. Dude, that, 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 uh, airport story is hilarious. Either that's the most unfortunate night of his life or the most elaborate lie to, to get out of this. 
It, unbelievable story. I know, I know the, the entire running world gets up in arms every time that we say this, and I'm getting sick of saying it, but, like, this is exhausting. Like, I can't believe that – I mean, we want, we want a clean sport. We want a fair sport. But, like, the fact that the top athletes in the world are being taken out of the Olympics – for whereabouts failures is just it's it's mind-boggling like i'm i i'm I'm done screaming about this i'm done yelling about it it just i i can't believe that this is like the state of our sport that we don't have a better system as a cheater get him out of here (laughs) it's my official stance all right gentlemen that's all i got for the news all right, let's get into our interview with David Ribich. David Ribich, I believe, was a four-time national championship at Western Oregon. He's a member of the Brooks Beast Track Club. We're big fans of the Beast. But, guys, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good conversation. He has some really interesting, interesting perspective on a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, like he comes, he comes from a different place than most professional athletes. He's a D2 athlete like, like all three of us. Um, but I thought it was a great conversation. Yeah, David, he's a he's a pro at this, right? I mean, he's got his own podcast thing going on here, so he's really good at talking here and telling the stories. I thought I thought uh, it was a lot of fun talking to him. We went for like forty five minutes just because he's good at talking. He just kept going, so it was great. Yeah, I think that a lot that I could relate to. Steve, you brought it up in the podcast that you could relate to. I think a lot of people listening to this podcast can be relating to like what he said either presently or in the past. Uh, but yeah, most importantly, he chose D2. And so whenever somebody chooses D2, then then we're going to have a lot of love for that person. That's right. Let's talk to him. Look at you. You got your microphone. You're all set yeah. to go. We're dealing yeah, with sorry. a professional here. Sorry about the sticker. I don't know. Here, let me get that camera up. I want to <laughs> no. have a podcasting sticker on. Not show crowd. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, man? Been good, been good. Just uh, getting back in the routine of things here in Seattle and uh, embracing the next couple of weeks of pure rain. So I, I, we're gonna get to that in a second. But I mean, we obviously know each other, and then we got my brother Mike, who's wearing the the green shirt, and then Trent, who's wearing that comfy sweatshirt or sweater. Nice. Sweater weather. That's nice. Yeah, yeah I'm in sweater fuzzy as well. collar. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, Seattle's like shutting down again, huh? Yeah. So Governor Inslee pretty much put out a um, a note this and he's going to address the the state again i think this this upcoming week about the restrictions that are going to get set in place and like restaurants are getting shut down um gatherings are like limited to five people indoor out and it's like household only um gatherings and so it'll be interesting logistically what we do as a team um i know governor inslee in the previous uh we had we got permission actually from the state to continue operations um because of like the professional athlete scenario and so we filed for that got the approval so we were able to work together through that first initial lockdown. Um, so I would assume the same for this upcoming one, but you never really know. So we'll see what happens um, as time goes on. But yeah, we're going to get a, going to get a little bit of a shutdown again um, on this side. So, so you girl, you, you guys, you and the girls were able to like meet together in person, like throughout, throughout yeah, the whole shutdown kind, and everything? Kind of, sort of. It was like, we didn't have formal practices, but um, when, man, what was this? So like, I guess from March until June, we were, we were alone. Like that, that first real big wave and like the reality check of COVID, um, that was all independent. There, there was no team organization. But then in June, actually probably when like the NBA and then WNBA started kicking off their uh, playoff seasons, 
um, we started working together as a group again um, with the permission of the state. So it was kind of hit or miss um, at the time. We were, we were together for the latter half and then we were again isolated and alone through like August and September. So yeah, we only had like, it was like three months, two months, and then two months again. So here we are. So what, like, what is, what's plan B for you? If, if they don't give you the same situation that you had there, like, do you have a, you have a spot you're going to head to and start training yeah. there? We, um, we've, we've had a lot of talk about kind of like uproot, uprooting us here out of Seattle for the Olympic year. Um, and I think that's going to actually just start in January opposed to doing anything drastic now. Um, if we can't work out together, I mean, we only have really a month and a half before we are slated to go to altitude camp anyway. So I don't think we're going to really search for that budgeting um, to, to leave Seattle. I know a few of us early on um, were speaking with Danny and just pretty much said like, Hey, if we um, can, like, can a few of us go up to altitude and just like three of us get Airbnb pitch it ourselves and, and just start training up there. And his, his mentality is trying to keep everyone together mentally um, and physically um, while being safe to do so. And so that's kind of where we're at overall. Um, so we'll probably just stay in through Seattle through the next uh, shutdown. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, like we've been in pretty close contact with community members and other people around parks that have noticed us in a group of 13 people. Um, but now we all have buffs and masks. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that, that I feel bad for is if like five of us are just ripping down a trail and then there's someone alone walking, like why, why can they work out together, but we can't. And it's just, there's communication there if if they ask us and we talk to them, but I I feel bad um, with people's first uh, judgment of kind of what, what we're doing because we're not trying to be reckless. Mm. So you said team budget's not going to like let you guys just kind of get up and move, but, but let's have a little fun here. What's Mm -hmm. like the dream scenario. If you could just take the whole Brooks beast team, put you somewhere before altitude camp because altitude camp's kind of its own entity. Give me like the, the dream, you know, six week area as you prep for altitude camp. Yeah. I mean like, and that's to throw no shade either on the budgeting of Brooks. Cause I mean, like everything that we ever do as athletes, we get reimbursed in full. Like we don't have a travel budget. We just give them a receipt and they give us the money. So like there, there's a lot in there. Um, and Brooks does a lot for us. So don't want to put any shade, but if in, in a perfect world, if I uh, don't have to look at a, a receipt or a paycheck, um, I would say I would like a traveling camp where like we would base somewhere in the United States. Um, I've never been to Flagstaff or Boulder, so I can't really speak on those two places or Park City even. Um, haven't been an altitude guy um, from college on just because, I mean, Division Two. I mean, we're all from Division Two, right? Or there's a few of us in here. Yeah. So it's like we, we know we understand the shoestring budget of um, when teams go to these camps for like Suncadia. Like I know Oregon would always go to Suncadia in the summer because I had some buddies on that team. I'm like, dang, I want to do a, like a, a camp somewhere. But in a perfect world now um, – I like Albuquerque, like logistically and like trail wise, I think Albuquerque is really underrated. Um, we stay at like 65, 6,800 feet, which is lower than some groups. Um, but then we also work out and train at like 4,000, 5,000 when we really want to start ripping. So it's like metabolically and in terms of like your, your body's adaption, I think we do a really good job of sleeping high and, and working out low. So in the US, like I'm totally cool kicking it at Albuquerque. Um, and then they have an indoor facility, 200 meter banked, brand new coming in and we have the um, the permission to use that so like permission is everything nowadays and so that's where we'd go for the u.s but then i've never been to st moritz and like i see that place on people's instagrams i'm like i'm super jealous so i would love to do an altitude camp somewhere in europe um with really good access to 
not only like a track and facility, but also just like availability to races around the local area. Because in the summertime, in the normal world, I mean, June, July, August is just popping with races. And it's super fun to go over there and, and hit these races. And having a base camp at altitude um, over there would be an ideal situation. So you brought up, you brought D2. And I know listening to the podcast, we're going to get to your podcast, sit and kick in a, in a second. Yeah, I'm not here. outnumbered here. It feels good for once. <laughs> your co-host, your co-host, Josh, is always kind of busting your balls a little bit about being a D2, yeah. D2 athlete. But you're a big proponent of D2 and you talk a lot about how it like you, I mean, I, I think I've listened to episodes where you talk about like, you may not have been a professional runner if you, if it wasn't for D2 and like kind of what D2 gave you. Um, what yeah. is it about D2? Like why, why do you think that was like a different and, and for you a better experience? Yeah. I mean, like I was able to fly under the radar for so long. Um, and physically I was able to develop and adapt to the training that like I wasn't yet ready for. And um, in college, I mean, like, my biggest jump came my senior year of high school to my freshman year of college, where I came in as a freshman with like a 410, 1500 meter PR. And then at the end of my freshman year, one conference in 350. So there was like a 20 second gap there. And a lot of that came from puberty. You know, like I, I was a, a scrawny little dude. And then freshman year, I was still a scrawny little dude, but I felt a little bit different, you know? And so we don't need to get into the, the PG 13 version of, of what puberty is like. But I think like I was just a really late bloomer and, had I gone to a division one program, I think I would have been lost in the waters a bit and kind of pushed to the back and drowned out of the scene of like, am I good enough to be here? What's really going on? Because when I went to division two, I was immediate um, like contender for scoring points on the team. Like we did a cross country race. I was like our fourth guy. And then I ended up being our top guy at regionals my freshman year. And like, I was immediate uh, contribution to the team. And like that, I was really prideful in that. And like that really changed my perspective of what I could do for the program. And when I, was traveling at every single competition and I won conference my freshman year. Those were 10 points for me for the team to try to get um, higher up on the standings. And if I was a freshman at a division one university in all actuality, I wouldn't have ran that entire year competitively. Mm. So who would have known where I would have fallen in um, with people my own age and things along those lines, because I would have lost that year of competition. And I think I would have not been able to adjust to the collegiate setting as well as I did because even now at the professional scene, I, and I, and I'm kind of rambling, but it's, I think in hindsight, like I wouldn't have, I, I do agree. I would not have gone division um, or I wouldn't, wouldn't have gone pro had I not gone to a division two, but I underestimated that jump from division two to professional. And I think that jump would have been very, very similar to my jump from high school to division one. Um, and even at the professional level, I had some good moments my first year out, but overall, it was like the first year I hadn't made a, a USA final it was like my first year as a professional. And so I think mentally, like I was in this, this warp of, um, I guess, like negativity and things of like, man, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm a professional. This should be coming naturally. What's going on? What's, but like, in reality, like my professional indoor mile was my third mile ever paced for sub four. And like these guys that I was on the professional line with, like, that's what bread and butter for them like that they do that all the time so yeah I credit I credit division two for everything that I am now and what I like most about it like I said was being able to slowly develop and adapt to the training but then also my junior year qualifying for USA championships in the final there and finishing ninth it was like I got messages from division two and division three and NAI and community college athletes saying hey like I look up to you this is 
freaking rad. Like, I cannot believe, like, I race you in our conference. I cannot believe that, like, you went to a Division two or you go to a Division two school. And people, like, would even say, like, don't go D1. And, like, my college coach was like, so are you transferring? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not transferring. No, like, this this is work. I'm not, I'm not going to try to – to fix anything that's not broken. So I'm like, no, I'm staying for another year. We got a lot of things to accomplish. And so had I gone to division one, I would not have received those messages and I would not have made that final my junior year. Like no doubt in my mind. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like there's like a, a sense of loyalty to, to the D2 community. It's yeah. like, it, you know, you're, 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 you're part of the club. Um, so of course, you know, you are uh, an, an author now too, as well. You've kind of written about your, your experience and the kind of the stuff that you're talking here now. But I want to take you back to like, you know, David, when you're, you know, 10, 12, 13 years old in high school or whatever, what was more likely in your mind that you would be a professional athlete or that you would be a published author? <laughs> Man, uh, I mean, I, I always coined I'm a self-published author. Like I, I, I did that myself. I didn't like no one really believed in me to do that. I kind of just sent it myself. So I put a little asterisk next to like published author saying I just submitted it to Amazon and they said, sure, let's do it. Um, so, uh, funny enough, uh, I don't know. I was writing, I was actually writing stories when I was in high school. Um, and I, I still write now as like a hobby and things like that. Of just like, like I have documents on my laptop that I think my largest one is like 117 word documents, like single space. And like, I just write and I love to write. Um, so maybe honestly, I, uh, my sophomore year of high school, when I was starting to get the writer's itch, I, I would probably have said published author cause I still, write on that same like novel piece that I was writing on it in a, as a sophomore. Cause when I was a sophomore in high school, I didn't know what professional writing was like, shit, I was like, I'm a state champion. I'm the best in the entire state of Oregon. But little did I know when I watched the five, a and six, a comp- compete, I'm like, Oh wow. These guys are really fast. These guys. Uh, and then I get on athletic.net and I'm like, Oh, I'm 90th guy as a sophomore. I'm like, never mind. I'm like, this isn't, I'm not that good at this. So to be honest, probably author. Um, yeah, I would have probably put all my chips in on that. Did we expect anything from me in the future? Are you still writing? Uh, I'm still writing. Um, I, it's interesting, like with what I did with the small school, big dreams, it, it took a mental toll on me more than I thought it would because of that self-publishing and editing route. Like I wrote that book for a year straight every day. I journaled it and then I edited it for six months. So then I relived every single decision and moment that I had. And I think it just threw me in this warp. And I think that is also a reason why I was so mentally fatigued my first year out as a pro. Um, So like I only started journaling again in and out. Like I'm not a consistent journaler, um, but I'm like only was able to start journaling of January of this year. So I took a whole year off of just like pick up the pen. I look at the paper. I'm like, this is shit. I don't want to do this right now. So then I just stopped. So I don't know if I would publish another athletic journal um i love reading back on all my notes from like this year and when i did write my first year out i wish like now in hindsight i wish i would have written every single day again because i think being able to read where your head's at and like what your mental state is when you're successful and not successful um would lead lead to a lot of good things um but a novel mm, i don't know i, I kind of like nerd write and fantasy right um uh, I let people read it. Like I have an open Google doc and I think there's like 10 people on it that'll check in and and see what the progress is made. But I don't know if I'd ever publish it. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't want to write that with the anticipation of publishing it because then I think I would be worried more about what other people want to happen with the characters opposed to what I want to happen with the characters. So, so 
you, you took some breaks here from journaling, but I just want to hit on this one quick. I mean, you journaled every day for a year. I've been trying to get myself to journal for like 15 years now, and I can't like get more than once every other month on there. So, so give me some tips of how I yeah. can be a more consistent journal, even if it's just for one year. Yeah, I, uh, well, I, I, I uh, lied to like 250 high school kids and told them I was going to publish a journal at a running camp when I was a guest speaker. And from that moment on, I was like, ah, shit, like I actually have to do this now. So that, that was like a really good kick in the butt because like I didn't want to lie to all these guys that, uh, and girls that I, I told I was going to do this. Um, so maybe you should just lie to like 250 people that you're going to publish it and then it'll give you that motivation to do it. Um, but in seriousness, um, I don't know. I feel like, so like I, I listened to a lot of podcasts and like Matthew McConaughey was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, I don't know if that's a competitor, so I don't know if we should put that piece in. I think but, we are competitors. We'll cut it out. We'll cut it out. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Um, and Matthew McConaughey journaled, has journaled every day for like 36 years. And he, and he said, he's like, I like to wake up in the morning and make time for myself before I make time for others, before I see what's going on in the world. I want to see what's going on in my world. And so I would recommend journaling at different times. Like if it's hard for you to journal right before bed, like maybe wake up in the morning and start journaling. Maybe that, maybe that's the thing that you find interest in, or maybe it's a midday thing. And like in college, I would journal at the end of the day and talk about everything that I accomplished where Matthew McConaughey journals in the morning and talks about everything that he hopes to accomplish. And when he writes it down on that piece of paper, that gives him the motivation and the diligence to, to meet the list and check the, check the boxes to uh, make sure he has a good day in whatever he wrote. Good advice. So, just, so also maybe announce to the to the podcast listeners. Maybe I just gotta say I'm gonna I'm gonna publish a, a book of my journals. I'm sure we'll get a lot of people. Matthew Mahoney just that. published his book of journals, and it was called Green Lights. And it's like no one can ever tell you uh, that you're at a red light. Like green light, always go. So I'm gonna read oh. that next, actually. And I think uh, the the lesson I learned from that was you need to start your day by writing down that you your goal is to to journal that day. Exactly. And if you do that, then you are successful. <laughs> so I want to bring you to another one of your, your writing platforms here. All right. You know, mm -hmm. whatever, close enough. You're, you're big on the, uh, on the Twitter sphere with like rehashing old tweets, bringing it back from like eight, nine, 10 years. Yeah. Every once in a while I see you bring it back. Are you ever afraid of what you might find of like the, the silly things you might have said in 10 years ago? Yeah. There, I mean, there's definitely some things that I, um, I haven't shared because I'm like, what an absolute loser. <laughs> I mean, like one of them was like, she won't text me back. I know she loves me type stuff. I'm like, oh, no. I was 13 and I'm like, I don't even remember. Well, actually I probably do. Yeah. I remember who that was about. Uh, I remember yeah, Katie. She was, she was, uh, she won't listen to this podcast. She doesn't talk to me anymore, but you know, like Katie really led me astray. She wouldn't text me back. And I felt like Facebook to my 14 friends uh needed to know about it and well, we I have a new goal guest now yeah we're not getting i'm not gonna give you the last name there's millions <laughs> of katie um yeah she's a pole vaulter she represents the usa um no, i'm just kidding yeah um but i think the thing that bugs me the most about some of my old posts is the misspelled words and like i'll spell that and it'll just be like t-h-t or t-h-e-t -E and i'm like i I just don't know how I could have done that. Like now I feel like I'm so careful with my captions and I care what, like what I put on the internet because it's literally there forever, but did not worry about that when I was 13 or 14 years old. Hey, you're, you're a published author now. You can't be having that. Oh, and I, and I got a long list of reviews from people saying that my grammar in my book was terrible, but I'm like, Hey, <laughs> 
I, I wrote exactly what I wrote. And so like, that's, I published what I wrote and like, I'm not ashamed of that. One of them was a big critic of a, a really famous message board. You might know it. So. <laughs> and guess. <laughs> oh, it's my favorite message board. Just kidding. I but that's uh, where you're going to talk about my writing. I thought you found my alias name, bird legs, five, six, five, but we didn't get into that one. <laughs> Is that your burner account? Yeah, it's my burner. All right. I promise I'm going somewhere with this question. Mm-hmm. Quickly, what do you think your 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 most proud running accomplishment is? Man, like this is super shameful. Um, but I listened to your guys' podcast earlier with Josh and Brandon. Um, and Josh talked all about himself and his division one record and talked about how he's the best ever to do it. And like like I don't want to get into that whole thing. Um, I also don't want to get into the thing that they said I was um dancing on stripper poles in Vegas. That wasn't necessarily true. <laughs> I danced off with a stripper, but there was no poles. And uh, also I'm the fifth uh, Brooks Beast guest you guys have brought on, but I appreciate you guys finding, uh, finding the depths and, and reaching out to me. Um, but my greatest accomplishment for running, yeah, I would, I would say it, it's probably the journal, honestly, is publishing the journal. And like the reason I say that that's my best running accomplishment is because I don't think – I would have been able to set the division um, two record in the K, the three K and the 1500 in the same year without journaling it because I never wanted to journal anything bad. So I always put the pressure on myself to write something good that night. And so when I um, set the K and the three K, like that was never part of the plan. The, the whole focus and the whole emphasis of the year was to set the division two 1500 meter record. And um, so when I did that, like that was in really close parallel to publishing the journal because if I could think of like a climax of my journal, it was like, it was that race. Like that, that was the emphasis of the entire year. That was the emphasis of the entire journal. So I would say those two combinations um, will work well together. I can't say I'm disappointed with the sixth place world championship finish in Doha and the fact that I stayed on Doha time and didn't see anyone and represent great Britain. But um, I mean, maybe someday like my, uh, my accomplishments will change and hopefully that can, can kind of happen this upcoming year. All right. So this is a long way to get there to this, yeah. to this question. I agree that publishing the journal, impressive accomplishment. What is more impressive? The publishing, get becoming a published author or published self-published author or the pancake flip. Man, I don't think that got enough love, actually. When it I think didn't. About it, it didn't. It's the it most underloved video on the internet. Yeah, see, it's unbelievable. Thing. For those if that I, haven't seen it, you flipped a pancake down a set of stairs yeah. onto a plate. So that was a series of pancake flips I would put over my Instagram. And I think the thing is, is I don't have TikTok. I refuse to get TikTok because I know I would love it. And that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> so I don't get TikTok. But I think all the stupid things that I've done over my Instagram stories, like flipping a pancake down a flight of stairs and landing it on a plate would have been ideal for TikTok. But I missed the mark. I was too early. Like I could go through reels again and maybe I'll actually re-upload that onto reels. That's not a bad idea. Um, but, oh man, I, me and my sister worked really hard on that and it was the same pancake. And I worked for like a week and a half of like warming up like pancake flips. Like I would flick a pancake across my living room, land it on the plate. I would do it like down halfway the flight of stairs. I would do it over my back onto a plate. Like I was warming up for that grand finale. And I started getting, this is so weird and, and dumb, but I started getting like a lot of DMs about, but it's cool. Like I totally take pride in this. A lot of DMs about pancakes and about people flipping pancakes. Like Bob Red Mill said like, happy to see our, 
uh, pancake mix staying true to its uh, something. And I'm just like, Bob Redmill Pancakes saw my video of their pancake flying down a flight of stairs. I'm like, if I was smart, I would have capitalized on that opportunity. But like, I was getting people saying, you should do this, you should do this, you should flip a pancake here. So now, um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll reinvent the wheel and uh, start bringing pancake flips back. I only make, I make waffles now, so it might be a little different, but. You crush on TikTok. You got to bring it to TikTok. <sighs> I feel like one thing I've definitely noticed about you is you, you know, with all this stuff that your self-promotion is very, very good. You're very active on social media. Your stuff's very professional. Of course, you got your podcast with, with Josh, Sit and Kick, awesome podcast. How important is it in your, you know, line of work and in, in modern day professional running to to be active like that and to to be good at self promotion yeah i mean our our world is um social media right now and not in like a we must be involved and we must be like totally focused on that but like our world is like meaning that's the easiest way to communicate to people and that's the easiest way to get your story out and i'm like for instance like having a platform as a professional athlete professional track and field athlete is very, very different than having a platform for being an NBA or an NFL athlete. And I'm sure you guys could like think of the, the many reasons why, but like a few of them are like track and field is a very, and running is a very personal sport. You won't find a more personal sport where all four of us right now, regardless of the shape we're in, I know Steven just like slammed a beer or something a couple hours ago. So I don't know how his stomach would do, but we could all go for a run right now, you know? at a similar pace, enjoy your run, have a good time. And that's something we can do together. Football, like I'm not going to go do line drills with DK Metcalf and try to catch a football from Russell Wilson. Like there's no, there's no chance that any of those two things would be good. So um, for me, like my goal is to like bridge the gap, not only physically when I see fans and like people that are my friends or my teammates, but also bridge that gap over social media. And just like, if a high school kid messages me, I'm hundred percent going to respond to that kid because it's, it's more than that. It's more than the sport because it's like, you never know if you're going to inspire the next person to make an Olympic team, you know, like I, I got autographs from like David Oliver. Um, and when I was, uh, it was in 2012 and he was just telling me, I was like, I run tracks like awesome. He's like, he talked to me. He asked about my PRs, my times. He's like, Oh man, that distance stuff. He's like, you can beat me in a race. You know, like I remember that. And, and then it's like, I see him now at the same championships that I'm in, you know, now he's kind of retired. So you don't often, well, I don't know if he's retired. You don't see him often anymore, but um, regardless, like I'm, I'm active over social media because it's like, I wanted to, I want to be the role model that I wish I had more of um, when I was that athlete searching for more information on what it took and, and, who to be as a professional athlete. And I see a lot of people um, being a bit um, too serious over it. And I think that we really can't take ourselves too serious when it comes to what we do, because it's like, we're running around pretty much naked in short shorts or, or half tights. Like we're, we're never going to like so many memes are made about cross country runners, you know, like you can't be serious and then wear short shorts and be, have your shirt off and look naked running across the park. So um, yeah, I'm active over social just because I feel like it's the right thing to do. And it, and it's fun to be able to interact with people. I mean, you got, you got like the right attitude. It seems like in the different kind of facets of, of pro run, you're talking about the journal, um, 
trying to write down everything you accomplished every day and how like forcing yourself to write it down, you're going to write down like only positive things, right. That you were going to accomplish talking about the social media, you know, uh, opening yourself up to being that, that good role model and not taking everything too seriously, which I think makes you like a very entertaining and, and good follow. Um, how did you get to this like mindset and this attitude of how you're approaching not only like your running game and your, your mental game when you're running um, as well as kind of how you're trying to uh, relate to fans and such, is that just like natural to you or is this something you've like got better at it and, and kind of worked that as a skill as you've gotten older here? Um, I mean, again, I'll, I don't, I hate to mention Josh cause I don't ever want to bring him into these things, but <laughs> cause this is my moment to be who I am uh, without him and putting me down. But like Josh mentioned, he had a communication degree. Um, and I have a communication degree and I finished with a higher, uh, higher GPA than him. But regardless, um, I would just say overall, like I knew, like, I love to talk. Like, that's just, I love to talk. Like it's, it's super fun. And I like to listen sometimes. I don't know if my girlfriend would agree, but I, I typically like to listen and hear stories and tell stories. And growing up, like I was always the hyper kid that would be requested to be on ADHD medication. My mom would say, no, he's just a boy type, type guy. And, um, I like, I was a class clown. I put crickets in people's desks and like, I think just naturally like running helped find my personality. And like my story really resonates with the small underdeveloped kid. I mean, I can preach that all, all I want, but running was really my sense of identity because until running, I didn't have something that I excelled at. I was, I was good at a lot of things, but I wasn't like, I didn't find that one thing that I was like, this is it. This is my all in until I found running. Like I ran, my seventh grade race. And it's a really cool photo of me and my dad. I was showing him my first place medal, my first ever cross country race. And I won. I'm like, this is it. I'm, I'm all into this running thing. And from then on, I wasn't looked at as the little kid or the underdeveloped kid. I was looked at as the runner guy or it's like, Oh, he's, he's a runner. He's small and he's skinny, but he's a runner. Like I identified there. And so for me, running helped really get me the confidence and get me the personality that I have today because like, I just, enjoy the people that I'm around and I'm fortunate that running is one of those sports where you seem to find a lot of genuine people and like that's something that I want to be as a genuine person and I'm not going to be someone that I'm not and running is a really good example of a sport that allows you to do that so I would say my personality is just just catered by running and, and by the people that I'm surrounded by I mean I'm surrounded by a lot of people that love me and support me and I, I give them the world for allowing me to do what I love and being very understanding of the job and commitment that I have to do. And um, it's just, yeah, like, I, I don't know. My personality is just my personality and, and it's catered by, by the, the thing that I love to do. It's a great answer. I mean, you, you, you covered a lot of reasons why, like, we feel connected to the sport and why we have, why we have this podcast, why we want to stay connected exactly. to it. Um, so before we let you go, I do want to like, just kind of dive into like some race stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I want to go back to, you know, the 2017 DMR. I mean, we, we love DMR. I mean, it's just like, so it's, it, it brings a team feel to like a, a very individualized sport and in, in the track, but you guys are underdogs. You come away with the win with a dive across the finish line to get the DMR yeah. D2 national championship. And then the next year you're trying to repeat. And you get the baton in ninth place. You need an unbelievable split. You need a you know to split sub four in the yep. in you know for the sixteen hundred meters to to have a chance at the win. And you come away with the win. What's going through your mind when you get that baton in ninth place in two thousand nine two thousand eighteen? Sorry. Yeah, I'll give more backstory on that too because I think it, it 
it has to has to and I literally have nothing to do with my girlfriend's cooking dinner. So I, I'm free all night guys. <laughs> um, so in 2016 or yeah, 2016 or so we qualified our first DMR team to nationals as a school in like a couple of years. And I kid you not on the starting line. So our starting leg, 1200 meter leg was Sam Nafziger. And he is actually my roommate now here in Seattle with my girlfriend. He lives with us and he was an all American for division two in the 1500 meters as well. He was on the 1200 meter leg. He typically would split like 258 to three flat. And so like dead on, like where we needed to be, the gun goes off. Wait, were you guys from Black Hill State or no? No. No? Cool. Because that's who I'll throw shit at. Um, okay. <laughs> so we're on the line and Sam's there with the baton. And I don't think, like, I don't think Black Hill State did it on purpose. Like I'm, I'm really not mad at them. But when they, the gun went off, the Black Hill State guy's arm went back and knocked the baton out of Sam's hand and sent it five meters behind the start line. And the call and the starter followed the runners but didn't follow Sam. So then we get an immediate five to 10 meter deficit. And so we're just trying to catch up. And Sam splits like 306 because he went out in like a 54. But like we got fifth that year by 1.2 seconds. So when we left that year, we're like, we should have won. Like we literally could have won. And I, I genuinely believe that if I would have gotten the baton, with that group, I would have outkicked that group because the biggest contender of guys were Alec Baldwin, which is a funny name um, because we all know that as an actor, but he, he exists in division two. He finished third and he got the baton way back. Um, Oliver Atchison of Adams state. He got the baton in like seventh and finished fourth. And I don't know exactly where I got the baton. I honestly think it was maybe like seventh or eighth, maybe ninth and then finished fifth. But I think Actually, no, I don't think. I know we would have won that race. And so with that, going into the next year, I was, I, I was like, we're perceived as underdogs, but all of us on that DMR team, when we won by one one-thousandth of a second, um, like knew we, we, we should have won the year prior and we should treat ourselves as like the defending championship or defending champions without the pressure. And so funny enough to lead into the next year. So we won that first year by a thousandth of a, one one-thousandth of a second. We all go in to get um, rings from our university, but of course, Division Two budgeting wasn't necessarily the most ideal situation to give these guys rings. Um, so we said, screw that, we're going to go get tattoos. So we go and get 0 .001 tattoos. Um, we That's were like, ah, awesome. oh, let's go in order. And uh, so... <laughs> We go in order and our 1200 meter like Dustin Nading, who's a sub four miler um, at University of Washington now, uh, trained by Andy. I see him like every other week. We're still good friends. He goes first. He was a 1200 meter leg. He gets it over his shoulder and we all agreed we were going to get it on our shoulder. Our 400 meter leg was uh, showed up late. So our 800 meter guy goes next. He's like, mm, I don't know if I like the shoulder. I think I'm going to get it on my ankle. So then he gets it on his ankle. And then Dustin's like, I thought we we're all getting in the same spot. Well, lo and behold, all of us get it on our ankle except Dustin. So Dustin's the only one to actually not have it in the same spot as us. And he's pissed about it. And he never lets us live, his live it down. But that friendship of Dustin and I and um, Josh um, and AJ, we go into the next year and three of the four guys that were on the previous DMR were going into this next year of 2018 as defending champions. And we went in with the hundred percent mindset of, that we were going to walk away with the win. And like we talked before and ran every single scenario. And I, I said, I regardless, and I actually think it's in my journal too, which is really cool that I wrote it the night before. I was like, I don't care if I have to run a four Oh five of three fifty five, I'm going to fight for the win. And we're going to walk away with the championship. Like it, there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to win. 
And when I got the baton in ninth, like I, and I, I don't say this to be cocky, but I wish I would have came around the first lap and looked at them because they were yelling at me and like I gave eye contact and gave them the nod, but I wish I could have just said like, relax, like this is fine. Like we're okay. Because in, in that race, like it looked like we were far out and we were away, but I was so confident in like the fact that I said I was going to split a 355 if I needed to. And I knew where my fitness was at. And like I ran 358 in the mile two weeks prior to that. Um, and then 750 as well a week before that. And so like, I knew I was like, I'm, I'm ready for this. And so I scratched the mile for the DMR at that championships. And I was like, this is literally my hundred percent focus. Like if, if, if we lose the DMR, like we lose the weekend for me because like, this is all I want to do. So we win the DMR, but, and I, and I, yeah, get the baton in like eighth or ninth and, and end up winning by a few, or I don't even know if it's a few seconds, probably a second, but it was surreal. And it was like, those were my favorite memories. And, and like you say, personal accomplishments. Yeah. The book and the journal or the, the, the journal and the, the division two record, but the DMR and like the memories made with those guys is like the number one thing that I've ever done in my life. Like that was so cool. And it was so unprecedented for our university that that none of the championships after that would have um, existed if we didn't get those DMR titles, because that DMR title in 2017, after that, I think we calculated it. That was like our first real um, NCAA all American in like five or so years and then after that, it was like 29 All-American awards that were covered over our, our track team. And I think it just transcended our entire team and university of like, this is our standard of excellence now for our team. And this is what we plan to do. And this is what we work to do. And a lot of guys fell into um, that. And we ended up like in the cross country my senior year winning the, our university's first ever um, GNAC cross country title. And then we qualified for nationals. Um, in one of the toughest, I don't care what division, um, region you guys are in, but one of the toughest, uh, division two regions in the country, which was the West region. So we had to beat out like Alaska Anchorage and Simon Fraser, And we finished third behind like Chico state and Cal Poly. And like, none of that would have happened without those DMR. So the, it, it was really special. And, and, and the, I don't, I miss, I miss, I really, really miss the team relays. And like, I was fortunate enough to get a team relay my first year as a rookie, but I mean, like, I know you guys talk about relays and implementing DMRs and elimination miles all the time on the podcast. And like, I'm all for that because this sport is so much more than the, who can get to the end of the line, the fastest alone, like the DMRs and relays, like there's a reason four by four is the last event at the track meet. It's because it's usually the hypest race of it all. So yeah, yeah that's, that's a long, like, and I, and I talk about these guys all the time on, on podcasts and things, but like genuinely the, those guys are, and like those memories were the best parts of like my collegiate experience. Yeah, man. Like we, yeah, you, like you said, we talk about the relays all the time. Like, I mean, they, they did the cool, um, Hanson's did the, the Ekaden and we've been talking yeah. about like, all right, let's bring the, let's get the DMR on the track, but anything we can do to kind of generate competition, team competition between the teams in the United States, I think that would be so cool. It'd be so mm -hmm. awesome. Let's yeah, just I think do so it. Too. Uh, let's just have like a DMR meet. That'd be awesome. Well, Hey, like you said, this has been a long time coming. It's been too long. We really appreciate you coming on, but we had every interview with a quick game. So, Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right. So, down the home stretch, we're going to give a huge shout out to, like we said, podcast you guys got going there, Sit and Kick. If anybody hasn't checked it out, you got to go check it out right now. So, 
your topic for down the home stretch is going to be sit and kick. Okay. Try and hit him with the first question. And by, and by sit and kick, I mean, we're taking this pretty liberally here. So I'm going to start with the kicking part. Uh, let's uh-huh. say Josh Kerr was a net playing goalie. How many penalty kicks would you score out of 10 attempts? Out of 10, 10. Are we supposed to answer fast? Yeah, 10. I mean, Josh Josh is a slow mover uh, when it's side to side. Straight line, yeah, he's fast. Side to side, not a chance. So sit and kick's not only the name of a a great running podcast, it's obviously a race tactic. If you were to line up on the line against Josh, what would be your race tactic? The the shittiest thing about that is he would see my hand and he would probably beat my hand and bluff about it. So, like – Josh always front runs. I'd probably try to sit off Josh and with a rare chance of me hanging on, try to take him out in the last uh, 120 meters. But then again, he's ran 146 and he is one of the few athletes in the world. He was one of 10 in 2019 that had both the uh, world championship standard in the eight and the 15. So I'm really hosed in both spectrums. Um, So I'll say in a 15, yeah, I'll sit on him in a three K. I'll try to run away from him. All right. So during you know, the, the initial quarantine, what do you think the most hours you sent sitting on the couch in one day was? Oh man. Uh, man. So I had PRP in my Achilles also. So it wasn't, it wasn't good. Cause I literally got like anxiety attacks for how long I would be sitting down. But I think like 13 hours was one of my, my times. I was like, I a hundred percent have bed sores. I was like, I, I, I can't lay on my back tonight. It's hard to beat. Um, all right, we're, we're pretty anti sit and kick guys, to be honest, on the track, yeah, right? Yeah, we yeah, hate yeah. to see the slow 1200 and then oh, you know, everyone okay. comes through. Right. That's I all thought you guys were going to say podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. We love the podcast. We're anti sit and kick. But are you supporting the sit and kick just philosophy by naming your podcast sit and kick? Yeah, I mean, like we ran through a lot of names and I appreciate clever names and I like peak too early. I think that's super cool. And I hate names that are just like, really generic so we went with a name that's track related but not necessarily crazy but everyone knows what a sit and kick is in in the track world so we're like how can we hop on that bandwagon like we ran through the names attractive um to talk about like me and josh but josh has like a good podcasting face so we decided not to use that name um but i would say we chose a sit and kick just because of the alliteration it sounds cool and uh yeah there was really just I don't even know how we thought of it. Josh will say he thought of it, but I'm pretty sure that I thought about it first. Sit, yeah. sit and kick's a great, it's a great podcast name, especially yeah. for two, two professional runners. If you guys went with attractive, we would have made fun of that. Nonstop. Yeah, exactly. So, but, <laughs> because only one of us is attractive. I totally agree. It, it would have been an oxymoron. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I was, I was a little bit more of a, a front runner back in my day. I have no kick whatsoever my my 5k pace is pretty much my all out pace but my question for you is do you ever feel bad for sitting and kicking like you know if when you come blow blowing past the front runners down the home stretch you ever feel bad being like well, i kind of kind of kind of kind of use some cheap tactics in this race i mean at the professional level if i was in a position like I've, I've yet to win in a professional race if i win a professional race and it's because of a sit and kick i will give zero f's about it i will <laughs> i will be like Hey, you guys have dusted me for two years and I won and shit happens. Like, sorry about it. But you know, like I, I would feel nothing, uh, in college and some of the races, 
my coach would literally say like, Hey, this is a tune up workout or this, whatever. And like, those are the ones where I was like, Hey Johnson, I'm still going to treat this like a race. He'd be like, "Eh, but you know, you you got a more important race next week. I'm like, but I'm still racing. Like, so I do, I I did feel bad at times then, but now like every, every race feels like a sit and kick because at the last 120 meters, no matter what, it's an all out sprint and guys are flying. So um, I will not feel bad when I, when I win a pro race in a sit and kick. So we know uh, that Danny, you know, we've heard the infamous stories about the the fights and the, yeah. you know, the, all the good stuff. Do you think Danny would approve of a little bit of kickboxing? Oh, I don't know. I, he, he's really in tune with jujitsu and uh, Brazilian jujitsu. Um, I think there's something with the martial arts of kickboxing that he's not a fan of. I can't exactly remember what or why, um, but he's really, really big into like the submissions and the, and using the, your opponent's weaknesses against them. And I think that's what jujitsu is about. So I would say a fighting style. Yeah. I mean, Danny watches MMA and is one of the most active um, fighting fans that I know. So he probably approves of it. He probably likes it, but for like us, like us kickboxing, uh, no, I would, I have a couple of people I'd like to roundhouse kick in the face, but like, I don't know um if danny would approve if i did that he would approve of some people um if i did it to some people he would be like yeah david i totally agree with that i wish i could have done that i was just gonna say he probably doesn't like kickboxing because it's a sport you can get kicked in the fucking face (laughs) yeah exactly yeah (laughs) I'll, i'll hit him with the last question trent when can we expect season three yeah so we we're taking a little I wouldn't say a hiatus because that sounds like it's a, I don't even know what a hiatus is. Sometimes I like to use vocabulary before I actually know what the definition is. Um, so like a new word that I, I was misusing was vernacular. Um, but now I know what that definition is. And I think like I have really good vernacular. Um, but season three, are we on season three or season four? I don't actually know. Oh, my mistake. I don't know. I think it's season, it's season four. It might be season oh, four. I, I can tell you. Um, Josh does all the work on the podcast. Like he does all the editing. He does all the things. So like I really just hang out and do nothing besides, you know, record. That's a lie. I do everything. Um, but it's going to come in through December or January. It'll depend on a few things that we're working out right now. Um, and like we have our guest list and we have like the, the setup for it. But I think the best part about what we're going to do next, we don't have an official launch date, but we're going to start incorporating the fans a lot more into the promotion and the production of our episodes um, because what we realized after our fan alley um, of season three or season four was that we have a lot of people that are dedicated listeners that like to do their research. So we're going to be utilizing that a lot in the upcoming season and rewarding those that really want to participate and kind of be a part of the sit and kick community or what we call the kick community. So. Very cool, man. Well, Hey, thanks again for coming on. This was, this was fun. Appreciate. Are we not getting into the banter ball? Did I not get to throw any stuff uh, at the hosts? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll save. We'll save that for next time. <laughs> All right. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for having me. All yeah, right, brother. This was cool. Man. Thanks a lot, man. Yep. All right. Thanks again to David Ribich, the host of the Attractive Podcast. I mean, Sit and Kick Podcast. Go check him out on iTunes and Spotify. Same place that you check out our podcast. Follow him on Instagram. But yeah, that was, a, that was a great conversation. Thanks again to David for coming on. All right, so we're going to dive into an idea that was actually posed to us by our guys at Bell Lap Track and Field Gear. Um, I think they're, they're planning on putting together a little series, but they, they wanted to reach out to us for, for some help. They want to say if 
if you were to create Madden stats or Madden characteristics for track and field, what would they be? So just to explain a little bit better. So in the game, Madden football, there's stats and you're kind of ranked, you're ranked under all these different characteristics like speed, tackling ability, catching ability. So each player is kind of ranked under those, those, uh, those categories to determine their overall rating for their position. And it's actually kind of like a big deal. They, they do like a lot of like analytics and they have a whole team of people that analyze each person's stats. And they actually take a lot of pride in assigning like the correct rating for each runner. So, or I'm sorry, each football player. So it was actually kind of a big deal. So I think it's, I think it's interesting. So like if you were to create those characteristics or those categories for stats in, in running, what would they be? So who wants to kick us off? Who wants to kick us off? Well, but before we even dive into that, Steve, just like right off the top of my head, you know, obviously Madden, the, 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 the video game named after John Madden, legendary coach and commentators like that. Who would the, Ooh, the running game be named after? I think like, the obvious first one is like, you know, like, uh, like Bowerman or like Prefontaine, maybe like Prefontaine 2020 or Bowerman, Bowerman. Bowerman. But the, the cool thing, the cool thing about Madden is like, it's, 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 it's named after a commentator, former coach, right? Now, like it was, he was a commentator at the time when the game came out, which, so it's actually crazy when you think about it, it wasn't named after a player. It was just named after like a, a football commentator. So I think it needs to be somebody connected to the sport but not necessarily an athlete in the sport. So sure. I think Bar- I think Bowerman's a good one. If you did like uh Salazar 2020. I'm just say Salazar. <laughs> Salazar 2020. <laughs> I'm not sure how many copies that sells. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, let's think of it like a better coach. Let's call it a, like uh Mike Smith 2020. <laughs> Corey Leslie 2020. Corey, Danny yeah, Mackey. There it is. Danny Mackey yeah. 2020. <laughs> uh let's I think see. Who- I I think because they had like the the Tiger Woods video games back in the day too, so I feel like you could you name could. it after, you know, you could have Matt Centrowitz, you know, Olympics twenty twenty oh, years. I don't know. It'd Something be like like, uh, like uh, Kipchoge twenty twenty. Oh yeah. Or or like yeah, Bekele or. I th- I think that's probably it. I think guy. Kipchoge Kipchoge, Kipchoge yeah it would be Kipchoge. Wait, wait a second. We're commentators. It's true. Mm-hmm. Like, why it's couldn't true. the game be peaked too early? Peak too early, 2020. I like it. All right. And Kipchoge could be our cover athlete. Yeah. <laughs> we'll would, would we have would we have a would we have a peak too early curse though? Like the magic yeah. curse. But I, I like so. that because we we get to choose who goes on the cover. So I would just put like Galen Rupp and Matt Centroids and you know. Wait, I people. thought you were I thought you were a big time Galen Rupp fan. That's right. I I was uh, regressed back to my old self, but no, yeah, it's true. I'm a huge, well, I'm a big Galen Rupp guy. What if, what if? Uh, so the the single big, biggest. So Madden was like a, a big influence in kind of. He was like the face of the sport, right? Because he he explained football. The reason why he was so popular is he was explaining what at the time was like a new sport for people, and he explained it in a way that made it easy for them to understand. So he was kind of like the face of the sport i think slowly but surely the yellow jackets and the aiu are becoming the face of the sport with all the face time they're getting lately so Ooh, if I it's like, like it. athletic integrity unit 2020 and i okay i'm into that you know what's crazy this is like way off topic but 
do you remember like 10 years ago, John Madden, like might've been one of the most like recognizable like people in all of sports. Like you, you, everyone knew who John Madden was. He was on the TV all the time. He knew his voice. He knew his like the stupid things that he would say. The like kids growing up now, like if you're like, you know, 13, 14 years old watching football, you might not even know who John Madden is. Like I, John Madden has completely fallen off the map. I haven't heard anything about John Madden. And, old, I know, but like still, you know, a lot of these guys stick around till till the very end. He's just, he's packed his bags and, you know, he's doing his own thing now. Shout out, shout out former friend of the program. I believe her, her father, uh, Annie Coons, her father played under John That's Madden right. for the, for the Raiders. Yeah. You're making connections. See, another reason why we should be on the, on the, on the cover. All right, anyways, now that I derailed this conversation. Yeah, so anybody want to kick us off? So I think, like, let's get, let's get, like, the obvious out of the way, right? So you have, like, you have, you know, acceleration, endurance, kicking ability, you know. So you, you kind of have, like, the, the, the you know, you know the, the obvious ones, right? I think everybody can name those. But let's, let's try to dive into some of the less obvious ones. I didn't even, I didn't even try to take an obvious one down. Okay, I was right. like, hey, this conversation is going nowhere, you know, to endurance or something like that. Um, I think we'll probably have some more ridiculous ones and some less ridiculous ones. So here are some of my less ridiculous ones. Uh, performance in like adverse weather conditions, right? Someone Ooh. that can run in the mud, someone that can run in like the heat. You could probably just put one giant category of, you know, flexibility for weather. Like, like versatility or... Yeah. Like, versatility, I don't know how you word like it, that. but... Yeah, like they could, they could easily go, they can easily go from cross country to track, right? Or, you know, they can go, they can go up and down distances because everybody knows that guy, right? Everybody knows that work coach. They might not be like a stud in any one event, but you can count on them to run a a decent time and anything from like the mile to the 10K. I like, I like that. I think I'm not 100% sure how you, what you call this category, but there's like the the practice here almost i guess like how how like how much more work do they put in like at practice like are they showing up huge for workouts are they they do in 100 mile weeks or something like that right like the i guess i don't know preparation or something like that going into so it. like but are you describing the person that that does really good in practice but doesn't perform on game day well that would be ref- I, I, the that's a t- statistic solely goes with their preparation but you might see like a another statistic that's like a gamer right like the guy who just shows up on race day. so so that was one of my gamer gamer ability yeah so if you have super high preparation but your gamer is super low that tells you something about it and then the opposite you might be the guy who is just super talented and a super gamer but your preparation is so you can tell a lot of bang up being at a bang out a decent race even being extremely hungover that guy's just exactly Well, that's a whole category on its own. It's <laughs> performance while hungover. And I think, you know, the way video games are played today, it's not even playing the actual sport, right? It's like these career modes and you're doing the practice or whatever. So for a skill like hungover, you can take your guy and you can, you know, practice getting a few beers in you and then having to get up early, set that <laughs> alarm clock early in the career mode and, and get out there and do stuff like that. So I'd be excited to see if I could work on that skill with my, my Madden player. I can't believe this this one made it all the way to three. It's something that we talk about probably on every single interview, but it's probably like the most underrated part of the sport. Swag, right? Mm, like yep. if you have like swag is, is the most overlooked statistic, characteristic, whatever. 
If you have somebody showing up and they are swaggy, they are confident, they're intimidating with their swag, like that, it doesn't matter like how good a shaper you're, you're going to get some sort of boost by the level of swag you have. I mean, you know, you can't tell me, you can't tell me that, you know, Craig Angles showing up to the starting line with his mullet and, and mustache isn't like helping him a little bit. I mean, it's helping his confidence, but you can't tell me like the guy lined up next to him is like, geez, this guy's swaggy as hell. You can't tell me that Donovan Brazier's like stud earrings aren't kind of like scaring the guy next to him or the guy behind him rather. Um, so, I mean, swag, I think has to be, has to be one of those characters. Yeah, but in in the spirit of uh, Bell Lap Track and Field, look good, feel good, run good, right? That's right, baby. Yeah, I, I kind of had that too. I was thinking like confidence was one. I don't know. Are those two separate categories, or does swagger and confidence is, does that just go under one category? Hmm. I, th- those might be two separate categories. Okay. Because oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because they got to play off each other, right? If you have, because we we also know the person that tries to be swaggy but doesn't have the confidence so high swagger low swag. confidence. so yeah so so that so those two got to play off each other you got to have high swagger high high confidence you can't have high swagger low confidence because that can work against you what is, what does the guy look like who has low swagger but high confidence dustin johnson <sighs> i was gonna say i was gonna say the guy that's wearing michael jordan earrings you think no, that's, that's you a, think that's no, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding Trent. i'm just kidding i'm just kidding and <laughs> that that's like high swagger high like like irrational uh, confidence yeah, yeah like cockiness <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> that's heat check right there uh another category you got to have some sort of like front runner category right yes. like can you only perform when you're in front uh, and then vice versa, can you only sit on people? Are you, like front is not necessarily like always going to be a bad stat in in this, right? Because you want the ability to go out and lead the pack, um, but you also got to be able to respond if somebody else is kind of pushing you through or, or taking the lead on you late in the race. So like, so are you a pack runner or are you a front runner? Yeah, like, do you yeah. Have pack running ability or do you have front running? And that's ability? like a spectrum, right? Because yeah. you can kind of be anywhere's on it, and both sides are going to be beneficial in, in different spots. So I, I, I'm going to call this, I'm going to call this, uh, this category elbow sharpness or physicality. Oh, I like Are that. you willing to mix it up there? Are you, can you, yep. can you push somebody around? Are you going to get pushed around? So I think, you know, sharp elbows slash physicality. I like that one a lot. I, what about like, um, again, man, I don't have like great names for these categories, but I'm thinking of somebody like, you know, on one side of the scale, you're very like even keel, like before the race, you know, they're just, you know, not super emotional or anything like that. And then on the other side, it's the rah-rah guy who's just screaming mid-race and, you know, just being loud and super, like, either nervous or, like, emotional before and after the race. You know what I'm saying? Like, the two spectrums. I don't know what that category would be called, but. Let's see. Yeah. You know. So it'd be I guess like, emo- like, um, like a emotion yeah, or emotion, emotion control yeah. or something. That's, that's another spectrum one though. It's like, it's like, how do you rate that? It, it would be a spectrum one. Um, be like expressive wild card stat. Wild card. Yeah. Wild card versus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's one. That's not a spectrum. This is a clear, you're either good at it or you're bad at it. And apparently a lot of people are bad at it, but. 
um, updating AIU with your whereabouts location. <laughs> he stole that from me. That was going to be the last one. Likelihood is oh, a great that one. That's a great one. <laughs> one that one that like occurred to me that you wouldn't have in Madden because everybody has access to the same stuff. But you can't tell me that your level of sponsorship isn't it doesn't play into it because yeah. you know the better sponsor you get the better gear you get the better spikes you get the faster you can run i mean i bet you a lot of those people lining up at the uh the olympic trials this uh this past january at in down in atlanta you know felt like they were at a disadvantage if they didn't have those you know big you know uh, the carbon plated nitro mm. foam like alpha flies on so i think you know uh just like sponsorship or gear has to be another category I think to pair with yours, you know, we've done like the swagger conference. I think you need to have um, one that goes hand in hand with yours with, you know, your ability to inform the AIU of your, of your whereabouts. I think there should just be a category for use of performance enhancing drugs. So like if you're 99 in PEDs, you know, (laughs) elusiveness, elusiveness. Yeah. (laughs) So you might, there might be a correlation there, right? You might have, a 99 in PED use and a 99 in your inability to, or your zero in your, in your ability to, but they don't always, they don't always go hand in hand. You might but be you can, zero and zero. You, who knows? And the more jack- elusive you are, the more, the more skeptical people are of you. So if you could be super elusive, <laughs> right? And people are super skeptical, but your PED use could be low, right? True. And it, that like, might not make any sense. Like Galen Rupp might have exactly that's exactly like a very say. high ability to report his whereabouts, but he also might have a very high ability to use performance engine drugs. I didn't say that he does. I just said he might if we were creating a video game for running. It could I don't make the stats. I'm just saying. It sounds like we do make the stats, but it was true. Maybe we do make the stats. I think we need like you get the, the combine in the NFL or something or in basketball, they do the, the workouts or the combine there. And there's always these random just uh, physical tests that people do that you're really not sure how it equates to the racing. <laughs> so there's definitely a lot of things you can do like that. Like I think there should just be a core for running where oh. you're like, you know, it's kind of related, but <laughs> it's not like that related. But there should be a score for like how long you can hold a plank for. Yeah. yeah. And I think like flexibility, I guess, would be a good one because that goes mm-hmm. into like, you know, your hip drills and stuff like that. Your, your warm ups. There's some people who are out there and they look like professional athletes. And then there's me who look like he doesn't belong anywhere near a, you know, NCAA event based on his, his, you know, high knees or whatever. Who would have a better three cone drill? Galen Rupp or Tom Brady? Ooh, <laughs> Man, it would be. Are we talking 2020 Tom Brady or 2000 no, or 2000 like Brady. rookie combine Tom Brady? I'm, I think I'm taking Galen Rupp. Yeah, you yeah. got to go Rupp. Yeah, Dude, that guy Rupp. can't move. That guy, you can't move side to side like that as a as a marathon runner. I've I've seen Brady try to do this, and I haven't seen Rupp do it. And so just based on seeing Brady do it and the, you know. You're acting like, but Brady was like a, a, a D1 starting quarterback, right? So he has a, he has a, a good level of, of athleticism. So, it, and he plays a sport where you have to move in those directions. Galen Rupp only moves one direction. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's anybody on the planet worse than 1999 Tom Brady. I think he would except the do... nerdy distance runner is what I'm trying to say, Mike. Maybe, maybe it'd be close. It'd be close. I think 2020 Tom Brady would would smoke Galen Rupp in a three cone yeah. drill. But that's fair. That's fair. All right, 
Bell app. Looking forward to seeing what you put together. Let's kick off the Bell app. <laughs> All right, Mike, what do you got for people on the Bell app? The, the Patriots are back. That's, 100% that's what I got. The Patriots are back, uh, coming fresh off of a huge win against the Ravens. And so after the loss last week, or the, the win, I should say, against the Jets, and they looked terrible. I was going back through, like, the schedule and kind of thinking about the games. I was like, wow, this team maybe really isn't that good. But all of a sudden, I have a whole new perspective after that last game. I'm going back, looking at it, and like, oh, we probably should have beat the Seahawks. We probably should have beat the Bills. If Cam Newton was played against the Chiefs, we probably would have won that game. Uh, you know, in, if, if Cam Newton didn't come straight off of, you know, having, you know, the, the coronavirus, we probably would have beat Denver. So that's four wins right there. All of a sudden we're in contention for the AFC, like best record in the AFC. So I have a whole new perspective. Patriots are back. Trent, what do you got for people on the, on, <clears throat> Trent, what do you got for people on the bell app? Started up at my new physical therapy location last week, continually trying to get my back all figured out and work out the kinks there. Uh, but I find out that uh, one of the guys who's helped me with my, my one-handed rows and all these other exercises I'm doing out there is a, is a P2E listener. He's part of the P2E community. So shout out Joe Money. I mean, what a nickname that is, just to be known as Joe Money at the workplace. But shout out Joe Money uh, for listening to the pod. I found out he didn't participate in Team Virtual Race, so I'll have to give him a little crap next time I see him. Um, but that was pretty cool to, to find out that he was listening uh, just kind of a random person that I met at a physical therapy. Boys, I just went to go check to see if we had any new reviews on the on iTunes. And I searched P2 early. Turns out that on October 30th, there was another podcast started called Peaked Number 2 Early. Okay, so they're just ripping off our name. What is going on here? What? It's a football podcast. Can you believe this? Wait. Did we, did we trademark this? our name? Did we trademark our name? Do we have the copyright lawyer on staff? Here? I don't know, but I think we're going to have to now. Apparently. Where is this? Where do you see this? I don't so see go this. to iTunes, hit the magnify glass search button, and write yeah. heat number two early. All one word or no? Yeah, all one word. Oh, there it is. Are you friggin' kidding me? Let's get the lawyer. Do we have any lawyers listening to us right now? Let's go. Let's go. J-Mac, let's go. I need your help. Let's friggin' crush these guys. Should we listen to some of their podcasts? We're going to take them for every dollar they're worth. So go give us a five-star podcast. Maybe go give these other guys a one-star podcast and leave a review telling them to give us our name back. Oh, screw these guys. <laughs> oh, I'm fired up. Boys, boys, <laughs> this is just what I needed. We needed a new enemy. Like, we needed a new enemy. We, Oh, let's go. I'm so fired up. Oh, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. So come around and talk it over.
are you thinking of that? Well, I don't want to tell you what I'm thinking. No, but like, what's going to be the general? I don't, I don't really understand the topic right now. Do you, have you ever played Madden football? <laughs> yeah. You know how like they uh, they give like certain characteristics like to build how good a player is. Like you're right. rated in different right. characteristics. So these would be like the characteristics you'd be rated in as a as like a track athlete. Like personally. No, that everybody would be. 